Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today is the last Sunday of the Coptic New Year. And uh, we are in the Coptic month of Nessi, which is uh, a month that's only six days long. Or this year it's only six days long. And this Thursday we'll be celebrating the new Coptic year, the year 1736. So you can remember, the year 1736. So congratulations on another year growing in fellowship in the grace of the Lord. The Gospel today is from Matthew 24. And Matthew 24 is a, a very loaded and complicated uh, chapter because it deals with a subject that is not easy. And that's eschatology. Sounds intimidating. Eschatology. And eschatology is the part of theology concerned about uh, death, judgment, and the final destiny of the soul and humankind. And so today I'm going to speak to you about the eschatology in Matthew chapter 24. And as we approach the end of the year, the church wants to remind us about the end of our time. The end of our time. The end of the world. And one of the keys, like one of the keys in the, the end of the world that's mentioned several times in the gospel today was about deception. So today I want to speak to you about different types of de deception. The first type of deception that I want to speak to you about is the deception of outer appearance. The deception of the outer appearance. Because the gospel today, Matthew chapter 4, it starts with, this was like the verses right before the start of the gospel. It talks about the disciples going and they were bragging to the Lord Jesus Christ about how beautiful the temple was. And they were trying to show him and say, look how beautiful the temple is. And then the Lord Jesus Christ said, do you, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. The temple was beautiful, but they were deceived by its beauty. They were deceived by its beauty. And it was not beautiful on the inside. The temple had become a place of hypocrisy, of materialism. And the Jews were very good about repairing the temple from the outside, but from the inside they didn't care about preparing or repairing their heart. So in the gospel of today, the Lord, he says something very interesting. He says, he speaks about something called the abomination of, the abomination of desolation. What is the abomination of desolation? The abomination of desolation, in order to understand what the Lord is saying in Matthew 24, you have to realize that what the Lord was saying has a context in the, his present time, it had a context and a meaning for his present time, and also had a meaning for the future. And so one of the abomination of desolation is actually a prophecy by, as the Lord said, by Daniel the prophet in Daniel chapter 9. And abomination means, what does abomination mean? It means something that causes disgust. Something that causes disgust. So the abomination of desolation, which Daniel spoke about, is something that caused disgust to the Lord. And what was that disgust? The prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 is actually a reference, many scholars believe, it's a reference to, um, in the year 167, there was a ruler named Antiochus Epiphanes, and he brought into the temple a pig. You see why that would be problematic? He brought a temple, like a defiled animal, into the temple, and then he offered it as a sacrifice to Zeus in the temple. So he desecrated the temple. 
And that was called the abomination of desolation. But then the Lord is also saying there will be another abomination of desolation. And actually, before the destruction of the temple, there was an edict issued by the Roman emperor to build a statue, a monument in the temple for an idol. That would be an abomination, something that causes disgust to the Lord, for there to be an idol in the temple. And then the other context of it is for the future, for us. What would be the abomination of desolation? Would be if you brought idols into the house of God. This would bring disgust to the Lord. That's why in Jeremiah chapter 7, Jeremiah chapter, I'm reading Jeremiah now, and it's very fitting with the end of time because Jesus is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, and guess what Jeremiah preached about? The destruction of Jerusalem. So he said to the people, he said, Stop believing those deceitful words about deception. Stop believing those deceitful words. What were they saying? They were saying, we are saved. This is the Lord's temple. This is the Lord's temple. This is the Lord's temple. Look, do not put your trust in deceitful words. You steal murder, commit adultery, tell lies under oath, offer sacrifices to Baal, and to worship God that you had not known before. You do these things that I hate, and then you come and stand in the, my presence in my own temple and say we are saved. Do you think my temple is a hiding place for robbers? Ouch. That is the abomination of desolation. And in the last days there will be those who bring their idols into... The, this is not fitting. This is not a, fit, a fitting place for the idols. So do not be deceived by outer appearances. Do not be deceived by outer appearances. Another way we can interpret the no stone left unturned and the abomination of desolation is that we can be renewed through repentance. We can be renewed through repentance. We have to destroy the old person. We have to destroy the old person. The old person should not have any stone left upon any stone. It should be washed away by the waters of baptism. And by doing that and building a new temple, then you will be ready for the coming of the Lord. The second, the second deception that I want to speak to you about is the deception of time. The deception of time. Because the disciples, they started to become worried. Oh, Lord, you're about to destroy this temple? So then they started to ask him, when will you destroy this temple? And what will the sign be? And, and then they asked him about the destruction of the temple. And they asked him about the end of age. And that's why the Lord's answer is sort of a summary for everything. It talks about the present, talks about the future. But one thing interesting is the Lord never talks about an exact precise time. Why? Why doesn't the Lord just say, oh, the temple will be destroyed in 70 AD and then you... He never gives an exact time because he wants his servants to be in a state of constant watchfulness. And not to be deceived by time. Sometimes if we know the future, it's a big blessing that we don't know the future, actually. If you think about it, a big blessing that you don't know the future. But the best we can do is to be watchful. Is to be watchful. Because the Lord does not want us to be idle and just wait till the end of time and then to offer repentance. He wants us to be offering repentance continually. To have a relationship. The deception 
of time, sometimes people delay their repentance and say, I have lots of time to live my life. I have lots of time to do what I want to do. I'm still young. And we believe we have time to confess and we have time to do everything. Actually, the other day someone was saying, in school, I feel the pressure of the exam. I know the exam is coming. So because I know the exam is coming, I need to study. But judgment day, so far away. So because we don't have the test in our mind, then we are deceived by the time. We are deceived by the time. In the Catholic epistle today, it says that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? Don't worry, don't worry, the time is not yet. Don't worry. And, but then the Catholic epistle says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Here the point is not to be slack concerning the promise. The day of judgment is coming, as, you read, as we read in the Gospel today. And here I want us to change our perspective. Why does the Lord tell us about all these bad things that are going to happen at the end of the world? Why? He is trying to prepare you, to give you warning, to take heed for repentance. That's why in Jeremiah, now chapter 8, if I go back, Jeremiah was telling them, when someone falls down, doesn't he get back up? When someone falls, doesn't he get back up? If someone misses the road, doesn't he turn back? Why then, my people, do you not turn away from me without ever turning back? And then later it says this. This is very interesting. It says, they act as if my people's wounds were only scratches. They act as people's wounds were only scratches. They say all is well when all is not well. They say all is well when all is not well. My people... Were you ashamed because you did disgusting things? No, you were not ashamed at all. You don't even know how to blush. This is the idea when we say we have time. I got time. Oh, I don't need to repent now. There's no sense of urgency in the spiritual life. Like, sometimes when I ask people about service in the church, I feel like they reply to like, there is no sense of urgency in their response. Like, if someone is gushing blood, if someone's gushing blood, and they said, can you stitch me? And you said, I'm busy now. I can't. I'm not available Friday nights. The guy is going to die. The guy, there's no sense of urgency in the spiritual life. I don't know why, why we have this. The church, like I'm sad to say, is bleeding. Actually, there's many, like, the church is half empty. Why? Because it's bleeding. And many people don't have a sense of urgency in their spiritual life. If we, this is a deception of time. We need to have a sense of urgency in our spiritual life. To use the time wisely. To use the time wisely. To help others in need. If everyone sewed up the side, like we, ah, we could stop the bleeding. If we stop dilly-dallying, if we have urgency, 
in our spiritual life. The third deception that's mentioned in the gospel today is the deception of false prophets. The objective of a false prophet is to fill you with false hope. False prophets fill you with false hope. In Jeremiah 23, it says, Do not listen to what the prophets say. They are filling you with false hopes. They tell you what you have imagined and not what I have said. Today, there's false prophets all around us. The youth, uh, they idolize celebrities and like almost worship what they say. If a musician or whatever says something, it must be like the word of God. It's unbelievable. I don't know why. But this is, this is a false prophet. Beware of false prophets that are around that tell, that tell lies. Another like, uh, part of the false prophet says, To the people who refuse to listen to what I have said, they keep saying that all will go w- well with them. The false prophet gives false hope and says, It's okay to live the way you're living. It's okay to live in sin. It's okay. Just don't worry. Be a good person. What is that? That's all false prophecy. And tells them that everything will be okay for them. That's in Jeremiah as well. That's a false prophet. Or what a false prophet can do will tell you the other extreme. And will tell you, like, one extreme, everything will be well for you. The other side of that is that the false prophet could tell you, it's going to be very terrible for you. The other day I was speaking to someone, and they were talking about a job, like, that they were considering taking in a new place. And this person told me, if I take the job in the new place, I'll fail. I said, hold on, I don't get it. Who, like, who told you you would fail if you took this job? I'm wondering. Who told you? Obviously, it's a false prophet that told him, you will fail if you go to... Who told you that? So you believe the lies at the either extreme. The either extreme that everything is okay, living, or the lies about yourself that you are not good at anything, you are not worth, you cannot do anything. I was like, did Joseph, was he worried about when he went into Egypt and became Pharaoh? Or was the Lord with him and gave him strength in everything that he did? Don't believe the false prophets. Do not believe the false prophets who want to lead you and give you false hope or take away your hope. The other thing that false prophets do is that they make you cold. They make you cold. The Lord, He says today, there are many, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. The bosom of the church is the warm place. Ah, the comfort. The place of rest. To come to the church, you should find rest. The false prophets will fill you with false hope and then leave you cold. St. Jerome, he says something very nice. He said, if God is fire, he is fire so as to pull you away from the devil's cold. I wish God grant to us that the cold would not creep into our hearts, for, for we do not commit sin except after the love becomes cold. We commit sin after the love becomes cold. That's enough about false prophets. 
False prophets, you see how they fill you with false hope or they take away your hope. They preach for an agenda. They have an agenda away from the truth. They say words that could be pleasing to you, but not ple- like are not pleasing to God. So what can we do in the face of all these deceptions? I think we can do several things. One, the purpose of the passage today is to say you have been warned. The reason the Lord is telling us is so you have been warned. If I tell you there's a pothole outside and you fall in the pothole, why? Why you, why you do this? You've been warned. You've been told about the false prophets. You've been told, so be conscious. Wake up. See that you cannot live this way. The other idea is that the, in, the, in the Catholic epistle it said, heaven and earth will dissolve. Dissolve. You've been warned that the earth will dissolve. What will not dissolve? What will not dissolve? The word of God and your virtues. Your virtues will not dissolve. That's why in one of the hymns of the church, it says the martyr shall come bearing their affliction and the righteous will come bearing their virtues. So now is the time you've been to work on your virtues. Because at the end of time, when you go to stand before the throne, you will say, I have... These virtues. You've been warned. The second thing is, as I mentioned, is to live a life of repentance. To clean the temple. To make sure that the old stone leaves no stone unturned. And to build a new temple, a clean temple, by the grace of the Holy Spirit. In the Pauline epistle it says, God from the beginning chose you for the salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in truth which He called, by, called you by our gospel for the obtaining of glory from the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you are taught. That's the third way we can avoid deception, is to hold fast to the traditions that we were taught. Imagine you are on like, a, you're taking a test. You cannot cheat on the test of life. <laughs> you can cheat in class. And you can cheat on your neighbor's notes. And you can cheat on all this stuff. But you cannot cheat on the day of judgment. You cannot. That's why you have to hold fast to the tradition. The teaching that you have been given. You have to rely on the knowledge that has been given to you by the Holy Spirit. The last thing that we can do to avoid deception is flee from evil. In the Gospel of today... It says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Remember the holy place? It shouldn't be in the holy place. The abomination should not be in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee. Flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of the house. To understand this concept, you have to understand, in that day, the houses had sort of a common, like, roof. So you could kind of walk along the, like, roofs. Remember the story of, and you would have access to the roof. That's why the story of the paralytic, they could access from the, from the roof. So what he's saying is, if you are on the roof, don't go back down into the house. Flee, 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 flee where? 
Flee from evil. Flee to the church. Flee to Noah's ark. Seek refuge in the holy place. There's an, a beautiful meditation by St. Ambrose. He says, look at Rahab. Where did she meet the spies? She met him on the, the rooftop. And she didn't go down into the house. If she went into the house, she would have been caught. Beautiful. St. Ambrose is beautiful. Likewise, us, we cannot go back to the house. Into the house. We need to flee away from all the bad things that attract us or keep us hostage. You have to run away from them. And we ask that God bless the crown of year, this year with His goodness. It's a new Coptic year, a new beginning. We thank God for the past years, and we ask God to bring us to a new year full of blessing, full of glory. A new year to invest in the Word of God. I hope this year is a year full of blessing, and glory be to God forever. Amen. Amen.